This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm from Prague. Hi, I'm Jen, and I'm from Canada. Hi, I'm Ola Banji, and I'm from Nigeria. Hello, I'm Liki, and I live in Paris. Hi, I'm Brian, and I'm from New York. Welcome to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our Carbon Sessions because it's not too late. Hi, it's Nikki. Hi, this is Christina. Hi, this is Jen. What about if we share, discuss what we know we've heard about net zero, and we can just be crazy and not be afraid of not knowing because it's actually something very technical. And I so let's play dumb to start with, and then let's try to be a little bit serious at the end. All right? Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Ready. I'm ready. Okay, perfect. Well, I don't have to play dumb. I don't have a clue what is net zero. Don't have to play it at all. <laughs> and I, it sounds so simple, net zero. Okay, there is something uh, trying to reach something, but what it is and how can we reach nothing if we have a lot of stuff? <laughs> it's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's more, for me, it's more, okay, going to infinity instead of to net zero. But please educate me. <laughs> but you've heard about people talking about net zero, right, Christina? I am. Yeah, I heard about it. But I listened to this one video and uh, I got even more confused. So, <laughs> but. Yeah, but you know, in which context have you heard about net zero? Uh, climate change. Yeah, but what kind of setting? Is it from people, companies, oh. governments, schools? Uh, uh, yeah, it's from outside. It's from uh, newspapers and uh, reporters talk about it. So it's, uh, it's all over. It's almost like this new phrase, new uh, fashionable thing to talk about. Yeah, you mentioned um, um, a permaculture conference you will attend or you have attended. Yeah. And, uh... Uh, I, I am right now, I'm attending this permaculture conference in Prague. And uh, when I mentioned Carbon Almanac, and uh, there is another book uh, about climate change, people got really mad and really angry and said, it doesn't make sense. They're just taking one little thing and they're not connecting to the reality. And they think if they can build electric cars and buy more electric cars, it's going to solve everything. So that's their view of it. I think it's the disconnection be be between the groups. So maybe you guys can uh, clarify net zero and tomorrow I can go in and say, okay, now I know everything about net zero. We can connect. I think in the climate change and environmental um, discourse, there are a lot of things, and uh, it's really difficult for us to make the different connections. Yeah. 
I've been hearing about it. Um, our, our government has, and Canada has a plan to be net zero by 2050. Um, so they passed a law, but you know, and then you see when you order, when you order things, when you order, uh, an airplane ticket or you order, you know, there's a company I order, um, sustainable clothing from, and there's always something you can add that's a carbon offset, which is what I assume, uh, the idea is that you're paying money to, to them so that they then plant trees or do something different that would then cancel out the carbon that's being used because you're shipping clothing or you're getting on a plane. And it's, it kind of makes me wonder, is that real? Is the money actually going to, you know, like what's happening? And I'm a little suspicious of that, but I think for me, what I understand net zero to be is, is basically a balancing out of, um, of doing good things for the environment to offset all the bad things we're doing. But like Christina said, we've been doing bad things for <laughs> <laughs> decades. So how on earth are we going to do this? That's, that's the only, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. 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 Makes sense. Well, I have no idea if that's it at all. Me too, to be honest. If I were to add to that, it would be like emit carbon, which is like carbon in, and then take it out, which is basically carbon out, such that the amount of carbon you're emitting is you're taking that much out of the atmosphere as well. Um, and so that way we're okay. sort of at, at a balance of no carbon at all, which is which is... It's cool, but it's ambitious. <laughs> it's very, very ambitious. And I think the Paris Agreement or so agreed, uh, had this whole plan that it would be, yeah. world would be at net zero by 2050. So I, what I understood from the video we watched was it's not as much the carbon, but there are more other worse things in the air people are putting in so are we concentrating only on one thing because it feels like we can uh, influence this yeah uh, yes well um i've been i've heard about net zero a lot like you and um, this is actually one of the it is one of the goal, um, something that we could use to measure a goal. The, this is a goal we can use to measure our progress in order to achieve the 2015 Paris Agreement goal. Um, there's, a, there's actually in the Carbon Almanac, if you remember, there's a page on net zero and it's a CISO. And um, so on one side of the CISO, you have um, the factories and uh, also uh, cut down trees. And on the other side, you have forests and uh, I think a little bit of ocean. And so the illustration of that is that um, net zero is achieved when those two sides of the CISO are balanced out. So that's great, right? That's a very simple um, definition of net zero. Yeah. But the thing is that if you notice that... Um, yeah, it's it's very easy to understand as a concept, but there was no definition. 
And uh, when Ola Benji suggested this topic, I started looking for researching on this topic. And luckily, I found a video from one of my favorite science communicators on precisely net zero. And I was so happy to, to, um, that she published this video exactly this week. And um, so I've learned a lot of things. And to tell you the truth, I watched it a couple of times, like three, four times, and I took some notes. So I think I understand a little bit more. But um, yeah, let's let's give it a go. And um, let me try to explain it to you. And feel free to ask me questions. I'll try to find the answers. Or I'm sure that we'll figure out. Because it's like everything, you know. We just need to learn and uh, try to, to research and try to understand it. So net zero. So this, um, this, is, a, this is a little video from uh, a YouTube channel from a scientist. I think she's a physicist, astrophysicist or something. It's how I came across her channel, actually, because I'm interested in astrophysics. Her name is Sabine Hosen. Hang on, I forgot her name. It's Sabine something, Hosenfelder, I think. And she's from Germany. So she started explaining what net zero is. So she showed us a definition from the International Standard Organization, which is ISO. That defined in 2022, net zero as the condition in which human caused residual greenhouse gas emission are balanced by human-led removals over a specified period and within specified boundaries. So basically, this is again the again the you know this illustration is a scale. Things are balanced out. But um, the thing that you would notice is that net zero doesn't mention temperature in its definition. And the thing is that we are focusing, we need to focus on, when we talk about net zero, to focus on the level of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere at the time we're starting talking about net zero. Because there's a big difference, as she explained in this video, between uh, I think 400 billion tons of CO2 between this level of uh, concentration and 800 billion in that. The consequences on climate change and then temperature increase will be different. So this is the first thing. The second thing is that net zero is something that is quite imperfect because um, net zero focuses on what is produced and consumed by, I mean, um, add and remove in the atmosphere from humans. But it doesn't take into account the natural disasters and natural phenomenon. And natural disasters like, you know, uh, wildfires or um, volcano eruptions, all these kind of, of natural phenomenon are very difficult to predict. So therefore, it's difficult to add in the calculation of net zero. Um, the other thing is that, you know, um, she, she also talks about aerosols level and aerosols level. It's something that, again, it's linked to, to natural phenomena that are difficult to quantify and not quantify, sorry, difficult to predict. So yes, so there's this thing. And the other thing is that net zero is only, we only talk about emissions. And so we're not talking about how to keep the temperature in check, right? Are you still with me? Can I ask? So 
as I understand now, and let me know if it's wrong, that the net zero means whatever we put out, we should take care of. Yes. Okay. Um, and, and from what you're saying, Liki, it's not just what we put out. It's everything that is being put out, so to say, um, by every means, including like the wildfires. And no, no, this, this is not what I, I was trying to say. Um, net zero is focused on human-induced, okay. um, human-led emission, emissions and removal. And so what I'm trying to explain is that it's um this okay. it's difficult to quantify to predict the nature led in and out from carbon emissions. Yes. Yeah. Okay, sounds great. So if we dirty the dishes, we need to wash them again. That's precisely that. Yes. But then how do we link it to temperature again? So the link with the temperature rise is that in order to meet the Paris Agreement targets, we need to pick emissions by 2030 and then reduce it significantly. Because currently, we are emitting about 55 billion tons of carbon dioxide every year. With the global temperature rises that is already at 1.1 degree. And in order to keep them the level that we would pledge to, to keep uh, during the Paris Agreement, which is to keep the global temperature rise well below 2, two degree, which is 1.5, we need to keep our carbon budget of about 400 to 800 billion mm. tons of CO2 until 2050. Knowing that we have already emitting about 55 tons per year, and right now that it's not working. So, so my, my understanding is, and from, from the resource that you shared as well, so my understanding is we have to remove 1 billion ton each year by 2030. And then by 2050, we have to start to remove 5 billion tons each year, which is a huge divide from what we're currently doing, which is about 2.3 million tons. And so the gap is... Not wide, because wide doesn't cut it. That's like that's like ocean wide <laughs> between 2.3 million tons and 1 billion ton that we should actually be doing realistically to be able to achieve net zero. And so, yeah, yeah it's pretty ambitious. Hopefully not too ambitious. <laughs> uh, actually, oh, Benji, I didn't do the exact the exact maps, but it seems that it it is very ambitious. It's basically uh, what these figures suggest is that aiming for net zero, it's not enough because we have already tapped in so much in our carbon budget that if we keep that level, it will be very very difficult to reduce the temperature rise. And so what we need to do is to remove to remove yeah. carbon from the atmosphere. This is the idea. And this is what um yeah. what your Jen was saying at the beginning, that it's uh, you know, when you buy something, you can pay a little extra to remove the carbon. This is upsetting. This is actually uh paying and removing what you will emit, but it's not 
removing. Removing is really removing from the atmosphere. What's the extra that we need to remove? Yeah. So, but how do we know when we pay the money that it's actually happening? That's my question. And I wonder if others are suspicious or if it's just me. <laughs> no, I think, I think that when you pay the money, it might probably offset. So it's neutral, but it's not helping you or your company achieve net zero. You know what I mean? Is that it might balance out the purchases you've made, but it will not remove additional carbon from the atmosphere. Therefore, it probably doesn't contribute to net zero. What this lady is trying to explain is that yeah. uh, there's a big difference between carbon offsetting and carbon removal. What a lot of people get confused about is uh, when they think that, oh, well, I'm, I'm doing a carbon offsetting. This will help me remove and fight against climate change. The problem is that we've gone too far. An excess of what we produce. We need to remove all this carbon from the atmosphere. So that is the that is something that's difficult to to understand to get is that you know there's a difference between offsetting and removal. This is what I'm trying to explain. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with Jen. What do they do with that money they officially take for that offset? Because as I heard many times, the removal, carbon removal from the atmosphere, uh, there are a lot of options to do that. And a lot of them are not really doing the net zero because they're kind of removing the carbon, but putting more carbon into atmosphere by removing. Yes, <laughs> like... this is something we need to to stop getting, stop thinking that carbon offsetting doesn't lead to net zero. I think this is um, is this one thing we need to yeah. to remember from this conversation is that carbon offsetting is really different from achieving net zero because carbon offsetting helps you balance out the scale just on one thing. But the problem is so big. There's so much carbon in the atmosphere that we need to do more and remove this from the atmosphere. And Oh, yeah. So it'll be, if I were to make an illustration, it'll be like there's maybe 20 jellies in a bar and you, you contribute one to it, but then you make an effort to remove the one that you contribute to it. But there's still 20. So if you contribute one, it makes it 21 but you offset the one that you contribute, but it's still 20 there. So contributing and offsetting what you contribute does not necessarily help achieve the entire removal of all of the jellies in the bar. So you've, you've got to like do more than offsets. Yeah, I love that. I think, I think everybody understands Candice. Yeah. Can, so, so here's a question. Do, does changing our habits to stop making it in the first place and then, and then contributing to removal do more than carbon offsetting? I assume so, but I don't know how we can contribute to carbon removal, except, except because currently we are, I mean, not we, us, but the earth is doing its carbon removal job, but it's not human-induced. It's nature-induced. So plants 
trees yeah. removes carbon yeah. from the atmosphere. So yeah, what we can do is to plant more trees. Yes. Yeah. And more gardens. I guess with net zero, um, it's it's going to have to be like an all hands on deck kind of situation because first of all. You have to make sure that if you're producing more carbon, you're offsetting it. So that's rule number one. If you produce more, make sure you offset it. So don't contribute more to what's already there. So offset it first of all. And then when you've offset it, try to remove an extra from what is there. So you can remove an extra by not producing at all and let the earth do the work of removing the existing carbon. Or you can make effort with certain technologies that are available to remove um carbon in the atmosphere so yeah i think it's got to be those things but at least don't add to it to start with <laughs> yeah but current currently the only system that is doing its job in carbon removal really it's nature um there are technologies out there yeah but it's the, yeah, trees, the trees yeah the ocean there are technologies out there but they are not widely used you know those things that we call carbon capture for for the purpose of removal but they're not widely used yeah and and it doesn't really solve the problem because it just kind of delays it i guess because it's like you capture the carbon but it's still here so they dig the ground and put the carbon in the ground but at some point it's going to have to either be used for something or pollute or something but carbon capture is it's not um no well carbon capture and storage this is important carbon capture and storage so we capture them and trap them and keep them so and store them <laughs> but we're not doing enough yeah, of it but, but how do we, so what what happens when we store them because that yeah but is, is that the end of the cycle the storage so if we store it is it like yeah we got it it's not going anywhere ever again. Well, I believe that we need to store them for the duration that, you know, the temperature stop rising. So we need to store them because this carbon has been stored. Yeah. And the problem is that we've digged out, we've digged we've, we've big holes on the soil and get all this carbon from extracted all this oil and gas and this is how we emit mm -hmm. carbon so we need to do it reverse so capture them yeah. and dig them for very 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 long time yeah that sounds great there is one thing that uh, i think that charcoal people talk about uh adding charcoal to their garden and i think when they that that might be one of the things as a charcoal fertilizer or charcoal for the garden yeah i think if you want to do that you need to look it up i'm not a gardener so i have no idea yeah i know the charcoal active activated charcoal for the plants is really good and it uh, puts uh, carbon into the soil and helps the plants but i wonder if mm. they when they make it is it uh using up uh, the carbon from atmosphere that'll be interesting yeah yeah well it's extracted right it's yeah. mined oh yeah. activated charcoal is made out of plants at least that's what i think i'll look it up but i think to go back to your question jen i think you know what we can do in individually to help 
the the carbon removal effort is to advocate for carbon removal. First, explain the difference between carbon offsetting and carbon removal. And sometimes it might be very misleading and make you think that, oh, you're helping the planet. No, it helps you stop polluting it. It helps you stop increasing, increasing the temperature. That's it. Because what we really need to do is carbon removal. So first, explain that. Second is that, you know, um, advocate and also ask your, I don't know, your municipalities, I don't know if it works, but your governments to, to really have a carbon removal policy strategies implemented. So, yeah, to get more serious. It's probably all good. It's probably all good. Like, do it all. Yeah, but. we need everything. And yeah. I think one of the greatest thing we can do to achieve net zero is be better at figuring out greenwashing, right? So if we can get to stop greenwashing, that would be very, very good. Because there are some net zero goals and policies that are also greenwashing it's like hey we want to do net zero this is like the plan and stuff but they ain't doing none of that so we, we probably should you know <laughs> consider um whoever's in position to like if you find out where there might be greenwashing going on it might be a, it might be a great time to start to police that so to say for lack of a better word I think policing might be strong, but yeah, <laughs> probably policing, <laughs> greenwashing, because then we can make sure that the, and you know, it's like those who greenwash are the ones that in quotes might have something to lose. So chances are they are heavy emitters of carbon. And so if they're greenwashing, then um, that's something to kind of check and make sure that um, that it's not, it doesn't continue. And if you don't know what greenwashing is, <laughs> listen to our last episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this discussion on net zero really illustrates the fact that we need to get more education and more understanding of the climate conversations, everything that is involved in the discussions around the environment and climate change. Because uh, if we don't understand it, we, it's so easy to, be, to get fooled. Okay, okay. Liki, you're probably the one with the most knowledge on Net Zero here now. And I'm going to ask you one question. Do you think that Net Zero is possible at all? Do you think we can do you think we can do Net Zero? <laughs> I guess yes, we could, but we really need to hurry up and decide this is what we want. Like we as in human species. Mm. I think it's possible, but yeah. I'm not a scientist, but from what I read watched listened to from i gathered that it is possible but we really 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 need to make the decision like right now and i just i just want to throw something into there caution because there are big now industries talking about capture co2 capture from the air and uh, there is one direct air capture Using high-powered fans, air is drawn into a processing facility where the CO2 is separated through a series of chemical reactions 
and stored underground. Mm -hmm. I don't want more chemistry in the air and in the ground and in the soil. It doesn't sound, it, focusing and just removing it, it doesn't sound safe. Um, well, okay, this is, this is a discussion I always have with my chemistry students because I coach and teach chemistry students and um, chemistry is everywhere. This is something we need to get straight about. Chemistry is everywhere. Cooking is chemistry. <laughs> you know, um, cooking is chemistry. Baking is chemistry. It's, it's a transformation of molecules. So chemistry is everywhere. Well, chemistry was everywhere in Czech Republic in a way that it killed rivers and uh, gave cancer to people. So I'm scared of that chemistry the chemicals that destroy stuff. And I think that, that I'm worried that not only they use a lot of energy for this process, but also if they use chemicals that are not safe. Uh, yeah, just worried about it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I understand what you're referring uh, to is bad chemistry. Uh, but chemistry yeah. is, uh, it's, uh, it's reaction, it's science. So it's everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> Well, this is interesting. This has been an interesting conversation. I need to, uh, I need to learn more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you have a chance to, to spend some time at the video that I'm going to put in the show notes because I'm going to watch it again and again and try to educate myself more because um, I think my understanding of... <laughs> I think you are watching this video helped me understand a little bit about um, net zero, but there's so much I still need to learn. Yeah. It's an emotional thing, connecting all these dots to one simple net zero. Yeah. Well, that's it, everyone, on today's <laughs> episode of <laughs> net zero. <laughs> Sorry, I mean carbon sessions. <laughs> but yeah. We're, we're done with net zero for today. <laughs> we're, we're, we're definitely done. <laughs> Yeah, there will be an exam and test next time, okay? <laughs> End up on positive note somehow. <laughs> oh, thank you. Bye. I love it. Thanks. Bye. 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 <laughs> You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect, and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of The Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again as together we can change the world.